Uh, comments here from Nate Reavers on, you know, they've been struggling from shooting from distance. The Badgers and hitting the three ball has been tough. I think Micah Potter has not scored a three in three games, and that's usually part of his game. Uh, but Nate Reavers, though, comments from him here on uh, what needs to change for the Badgers to play better. Well, I mean, I think we just got to, you know, be more locked in and whatnot, play more confident, especially on the offensive end. We got to be more confident, flowing, moving around, not being robotic. And then on the defensive end, just making sure we're locked in so they're not just getting easy buckets, taking away some of those easy ones they had at the rim. You know, when the ball's getting bounced around and then bang, they got it underneath for a layup. Yeah, I mean, you just got to, I like how Reaver says, be more confident. I couldn't agree more. Got to be more confident, got to play better, got to, um, you know, just, I mean, that Coburn, he was a confidence killer. He just gets down low and he just destroys. Here is uh, Reavers on Colburn being a load. He's so big that you have to cut him off, you know, when he's trying to go middle or whatnot, and then he just spins back on you. And basically once he catches that deep, there's not a whole lot you can do there just because of how big and good he is down there. He's obviously made a lot of improvements in his game. I mean, the main thing is don't let him catch it, but that's easier said than done. <laughs> Man is a load. Yeah, especially when you look at how the Badgers played against him from his freshman year last year versus what they did on Sunday, it's not good for Wisconsin. I mean, his freshman year, obviously, Coburn's going to grow. He's going to get better. But he went for 15 points, six rebounds. Not too bad. Yeah. All of a sudden, you look at what he did on Sunday, and you're talking about a guy that had 23 points and 14 rebounds. He was 10 for 13 from the field. He dunked it nearly every single time he got the basketball. Yeah, he was just grinning ear to ear. Get down low, just throw down, and smile as he's running back on defense. And you just wonder what exactly was going on between Micah Potter and Nate Reavers because the game that they played Illinois last year, those two combined for 14 rebounds. Wow. This season, on Sunday, those two combined for a whopping three. Wow, that's it? That's not acceptable. No. It's not acceptable when you're two big men – combined for less points, less rebounds than they did the year prior. And Coburn basically was allowed to do whatever he wanted. Yeah, that's crazy. Coburn did whatever he wanted. He basically got in the post, set up down low, and they had nothing they could do about it. You look at uh, the fact that Asumu, he could get any shot he wanted. He could get to any spot on the floor he wanted. They had Demetri Trice trying to guard him. Asumu is bigger than him more athletic than him, and basically well, he's did, an NBA talent. did anything he wanted. The sumo's an NBA talent. The, the guy had a triple-double, and it wasn't like 10, 10, and 10. Yeah, I would hope <laughs> so. He's, a, he's an NBA player. I would hope he would. He's a, he's they a baller. Need, they needed to figure out and go back and make adjustments on someone that could guard him. Obviously, Demetri Trice wasn't getting it done. You know, you look at some of the guys on the Badgers roster, and you go, well, maybe they really don't have anyone that can match up on them. But you do have a guy like Jonathan Davis, who is a pretty athletic freshman, who might have been able to match up with him athletically, though there was no adjustment made, and you just let him dominate Demetri Trice on the offensive end. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Johnny Davis, Jonathan Davis excuse me, go throw down on uh, Desunmo. Desunmo is a baller. That guy is a beast. Uh, speaking of Demetri Trice, uh, it wasn't just the defense that was kind of alarming. It was the shooting woes as well for the team. Here is Trice on what's going on with the Badgers. I think from time to time, it depends on if that first one really goes in or how that first one feels on how they'll shoot for the rest of the game. Um, if the first one feels good or it goes in, then they're shooting with a little bit more confidence. But we have a lot of really good shooters, and I'm going to continue to harp on the guys on shooting the open ones and the right ones. 
Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin gets into this when they get out of their offense and they start jocking up these hero ball, these rely on the late shot clock or end of the shot clock three pointers. That's when they start to struggle. It's when you see Wisconsin start relying on the three pointer and not attacking down low. And it was tough with Coburn down there, but when you're not attacking down low and you're just relying on the end of the shot clock three ball, it's not going to work out. The Badgers are soft down low and they do struggle with penetrating guards. I mean, you know, you know, Saturday, DeSunmo is an NBA talent. And Coburn is just a complete animal, an NBA talent. The Badgers have college talent. You know, they play collectively as a team. And when you get two guys like Coburn and then you have a DeSunmo who out there can just play at an NBA level, the Badgers, if everything is not going correctly and their shots aren't falling, then they get exposed. And that's what you saw. It was a tough game, but we've seen the Badgers... I know it was years ago and it was a different team, but we've seen the Badgers take down NBA talent, but they have to be playing, you know, their game perfectly. You know, Kentucky. Like them taking down Kentucky. That was like that was the greatest team ever assembled. And the Badgers had to combine together and I guess they did have some NBA talent on there. I was gonna say that and Kaminsky that, and Sam yeah. Decker, but they gotta combine together, uh, have everything go their way, hit their shots, and then they can, you know and listen, I'm not comparing Illinois to Kentucky, but the Badgers just right now are on a lull. They need. It's been a roller coaster ride all Big Ten, but Saturday was concerning moving forward, especially in March Madness play. Yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. That Wisconsin team that you're referring to is a lot more talented and a lot better than the one that we're currently talking about. Yes, but there's Illinois no, is not the same as Kentucky. There's no doubt about it. But it goes back to what we've talked about from the beginning of the season when when Wisconsin was completely inconsistent. And that continues to ring through till today. They have been inconsistent on so many different levels from their play down low to shooting the basketball to getting to the free throw line. And we talked about, is this going to plague the team all season? Yeah, it is. We've watched it. And I don't imagine that it'll change because why would it if it hasn't changed yet? Yeah, what's in the alarming part is they're all seniors. Like that's the thing that makes you scratch your head the most is why why is this happening to a team that has so much experience? Well, I feel like the big issue is for most of those guys, most of the old guys that continue to play, they really haven't gotten better, and that's been one of the the critiques from Dimitri has been awesome this year. You can say he's gotten better. You can also say. The guy's going to be 25 years old, and he's playing against 18-year-old kids. I mean, that's not his fault. No, but it also that goes a long way, being somewhere for a long time. So you're going to fault him for that now? No, but I'm saying outside of him, who's really shown you that they've gotten better? Brad Davison, in my opinion, still played his best basketball at at UW when he was a freshman, and that was when he had a bum shoulder. Well, he was also the only thing going at UW. (laughs) (laughs) Nate Reavers really hasn't. Aline Ford's been better. Yeah, Nate Reavers really hasn't gotten any better from when he got here. And he's the guy that you needed because at points in his career, he was the only big man on the roster. I'll say Micah Potter has kind of plateaued. His defense has taken a step back. Aleem Ford's gotten a lot better, and Demetri Trice has gotten better. Other than that, it's like you're looking at guys that either plateaued or have taken a a, a step back. And if you aren't all of them taking a step forward, then, yeah, you're going to have a bad time. When it comes to March Madness, you know, Wisconsin, I think, what's the normal perception and normal, um, like, expectations for Wisconsin basketball in March Madness? Sweet 16? Yeah, we'd like to think Sweet 16, Elite 8. 
Yeah, the past 20 years, I think the expectation for me for Wisconsin basketball is normally Sweet 16. If you yeah. can make a Sweet 16, you had a good season. So what's our expect? And I agree with that. I'd say Sweet 16 is my normal expectation for Wisconsin basketball. And then anything past that, you're like, okay, I can get down at this, obviously. Yeah. So this season, when you have all the seniors and you have, at one point, they ranked sixth in the country, you know, early January. What's our expectations this year? I mean, they have the senior-laden team. They have the experience. Are we talking about now or right, at the beginning of the year? As of right, well, say, what do you think of the beginning of the year and then what do you think of right now? At the beginning of the year, I thought right. Elite Eight, possibly. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, I thought we had a chance at a Final Four. Right now, I hope we can get out of the second round. Make it to the second round. Yeah. Beginning of the year projections for me, I think I, I, think I would have to go with, uh, I was looking for or hoping for an Elite Eight just because of where they were ranked, what uh, where they were ranked, the the upperclassmen, and now you look at the team with how inconsistent they've been and kind of how they played last season, how they were pretty inconsistent but got hot at the end of the year. I'd say a Sweet 16 is a good season. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you had the original expectations of a of a Elite Eight, you're still going to feel a little bit down because of where your expert expectations were. But if you look at this team from last year, they were pretty inconsistent for the most part, except for those last couple months. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we had Greg Gard on Mount Notice because they lost back-to-back games to New Mexico and Richmond. Richmond. They were basically about a 500 team through the first, what, 12-ish games of the season. Yeah. Then they won a few here and there, and then all of a sudden... Kobe King left and they got hot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other, the, like, other than that, you all we remember is when they were hot. We kind of forget about the early struggles at the beginning of the season, but really, that team is the exact same, just adding Micah Potter. Yeah. That's the thing. I like, where's yeah. the magic? Where's the magic going to be this year that we had the magic last year? It was the same team. You need somebody to be a horrible teammate. And then, and then say, then <laughs> have him say he's done. He's out of here. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know who it is. My God, I like I, I'm with, I'm kind of with Dave here though, a little bit. When I go, my expectation is still Sweet Sixteen yeah. for March Madness. It absolutely is. But the more you watch this team, the more I'm fearful they're not going to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. yeah. Well, last year we're t- we're lamenting over them losing to Richmond and um, um, New Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Two bad games. You're out there uh, in what was that Brooklyn, and then you have. The whatever it is with Kobe King and the inside the locker room, I expect if they were to go and replay those games last year, they probably would beat them. I don't know if you go replay that Illinois game, which I guess they have that coming up, you know, uh, here in February twenty seventh. I don't know if they're going to beat <laughs> them. Throw the damn towel. No. Yeah, it's. I mean, hopefully they can. It's at the Kohl Center, but like, my God, like we were talking like after the loss on Saturday, I seriously only see two wins. It's against Nebraska and Northwestern. Northwestern. I haven't watched enough of Purdue if, if to know team... what's going on with them. So maybe a coin flip, but you're playing at Mackey Arena. I don't care if there's no fans there or not. You haven't won there uh, consistently ever. And, I mean, you got two games against Iowa. You got a game against Michigan. And you got another one against Illinois coming up here. There's a good chance that you see two wins the rest of uh, the four, four weeks you have left. No, that's just sad. But yeah, it's not unrealistic. If you no. win, if you win two games and this team finishes with just sixteen wins, 
I think Dave, Dave's right. Someone's going on Mount Notice. We welcome in another special guest, Grant Bills from the Wisco Sports Show, our sister station at WKTY. Check him out here uh, locally as well as lacrosse from 4 to 6. Grant, good morning. How are we doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm doing better knowing that I'm going before Zach and not after. That's the position I would prefer to be in. I don't want to follow Zach Heilberg. Yeah, you and Zach have got uh, quite the relationship budding, I see, <laughs> you know, on your airwaves. And then you had said something about if one more person tells me that Metallica should have been the halftime show or should be a halftime show, that you will block them on Twitter. And then Zach Heilprin, who's not very musically inclined, said Metallica should be the next halftime show. Well, you know, that's the thing with Zach, and, and uh, that's the thing with our relationship is, Zach really puts the burden on me to keep it going and to reach out and to be friendly. He's always testing me with uh, with little tricks like that. That's the way Zach is. Yeah, to keep the flame alive. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bills, Grant Bills, you are a guitar virtuoso. I mean, you sling the axe. I also sling the axe. I am a more of a rock and roll kind of guy myself. And listen... Metallica, if I was born in the, you know, 70s and grew up in the 80s and early 90s, I would be all for Metallica. But here's the thing. Metallica, Mm -hmm. listen, I understand what they've done for music. They're one of the kings of rock and roll, if not the king of rock and roll. But I have grown tired of Metallica. I don't want to see Metallica. Who would Grant Bills like to see uh, as the Super Bowl halftime show that's not Metallica? And what did you think of The Weeknd? Ooh, well, I hadn't thought about that. I really like The Weeknd. Uh, I think because I have, like, I was young when the weekend started. Like, he kind of blew up in 2015. Like, that's when I Can't Feel My Face kind of got going. Yeah. And that was when I was just kind of wrapping up high school. So I think the weekend has become famous and put out all the music, like, through a nice time in my life. So I was familiar with all the music, and I had nice memories with all the songs. So, like, I really liked the show. I thought it was exciting, and there were, like, there were elements of a rock show in there. There were some fireworks and... Like That's I, what I quantifies a rock show is fireworks? Well, it's one of the things. I liked all the dancers <laughs> down on the field at the end. I thought it was cool that they went on the grass and they were dancing on the NFL logo and it wasn't some weird-looking huge stage with the Pepsi logo. I liked that, too. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. So, Grant, who would be your ideal halftime show artist? Well, if I'm being really selfish, I would love to watch Jimmy Buffett play the halftime show. Jimmy Buffett? How old are you? I'm an old soul, Evo. Jimmy, you are a, you're a parrot head? Oh, my God, yes. How could you not be? I was born and raised on Jimmy Buffett. Absolutely. Do you wear the Tommy Bahama shirt and the, and the, you know, the Birkenstock sandals with the socks? Well, when I go to a Jimmy Buffett concert or a retirement home, yes. What else would you wear? <laughs> Absolutely. I, well, Grant, always keeping me guessing. I, did, I would never have thought that you're a parrot head. So there you go. I, maybe are you a MILF hunter then? Or are you out there with all like the... The 50-year-old, uh, or some gilfs, I guess. Are you out there hunting, Grant, or what? We, we went to a Jimmy Buffett concert at Target Field three summers ago, and I was blown away at how drunk some of these, like, 50-year-old women were getting. Like, like they were stumbling to their feet and then falling asleep the second they sat down. And I'm like, holy <laughs> cow, like, how old are you? And they were just, they are blackout drunk. I was like, this is the kind of concert I want to be at. Sounds, where 50-year-old women are sleeping straight through it. Sounds fun. I Sign me up, Grant, actually. I'll be a parrothead then. That sounds great. All right, so, Grant, the Super Bowl itself, Tom Brady hoists another one, you know, seven rings now. Uh, yeah. Tom Brady, undeniably the GOAT, or would you say otherwise? you gotta, you got to make me go here. Like, I, I've watched a lot of quarterbacks that I think are better than Tom Brady, but you can't argue with seven Super Bowl rings. Like, he just seems to have it going on at the most important time, and he gets his team rallied. This pains me to say. My mouth is taste disgusting. 
Yeah, I, it's pretty difficult to argue that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. He's certainly the most accomplished. Um, I think I've watched a lot of quarterbacks that are better, uh, but they certainly haven't won at the level that Tom has. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Grant, you know, a quarterback we've seen that's a lot better at throwing the ball would be a guy named Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So Tom Brady's always been gifted what? A good defense and some, you know, some quality skill players to get the job done. But Tom Brady has that it factor where he's just a habitual winner. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers never really had that defense to get him over the hump. And, you know, we're, we got Devontae Adams. We're left scratching our head about other skill players, essentially, for Rodgers to throw the ball to. Grant, speaking specifically on the defense, your takeaway on the Joe Barry hire for D.C., a guy who went 0-16 with the Detroit Lions in 2008, and then not too hot with the Washington football team, and then spent some time, obviously, with the Rams and then the Chargers for one year. Your takeaway on Joe Barry. Well, if I'm hiring a football coach, the first organizations I want to look at are the Lions and then the organization that's so bad they don't have an actual name. They're just the Washington football team. I like the, like, the name, to, to be honest. Well, yeah, I, I do too, but I guess my point is like they can't even figure out their name let alone like actually what's going on in the field. I don't know. I wanted Jim Leonard. I think I was with most Packer fans. I wanted that exciting hire because that Jim Leonard defensive coordinator hire would have felt like a shot in the arm. And this Packers team just hates getting shots in the arm. Like I, I don't see them signing anyone. I don't see them making any big trades. I don't see them going all in, at least in the, in the traditional sense. But I thought maybe they would get bold and try to hire Jim Leonard and, and that would be their version of all in, which I guess they did. Jim Leonard just said no. What do you think about Jim Leonard turning that down? I like I know he loves Wisconsin, but that surprised me a little bit. You know, as a guy that's from Wisconsin, you know, is living the Wisconsin dream, you figured um, you would have that dream, you know, conclude with you know a stop at coaching the Green Bay Packers. But maybe the dream, Grant, is coaching as a head coach the Wisconsin Badgers. I like it, but at the same time, I don't like it. It's like a win-win, but a lose-lose. It's like I'm happy, but I'm sad yeah. at the same time. You know. Yeah, well, and here's the other thing, Evo. A lot of Badger fans I have seen or Packer fans have hinted at the idea that Jim Leonard's going to take over. He must, he must have, he's gotten an indication from Paul Chris that he will be next up. But, like, is Paul Chris planning on retiring sometime soon? Paul Chris isn't that old. I, I know, that's Bill the thing. I've, I've heard none of it, so I've heard no talk yeah. of anyone retiring. So, Which is why that weirds me out. It's like, well, he must have, what, is Jim Leonard going to coach there at the D.C. for 25 more years before he <laughs> takes over? Like, I don't know, that doesn't seem normal either, so... He, I mean, he must really love Wisconsin, and to be honest, I don't blame him because Joe Barry, just doing the math in my head, Joe Barry seems like the next in line to be fired after Dom well, Capers okay. and Mike Patton. Grant, doesn't the name Joe Barry, doesn't it sound like a guy who's ready to be fired? Absolutely. That, that's, I was joking with a coworker yesterday. It's okay that Jim Leonard didn't want the job because it'll be available again in two or three years. That's typically how these things go. Yeah, and Joe Barry, just, it just rings like, I can just, I can just see it. It's right itself. It's like hashtag <laughs> uh, Dingleberry. Or yeah, know, fire Barry, fire Joe. You know, it's like there's yeah. it's, well, it's like fire Petten, fire Dom, fire Joe. Gotta go, Joe. Yeah, I mean, listen, the hashtags write themselves, Grant. But we're gonna give the guy the benefit of the doubt and see what happens. Uh, all right, so something that I know is near and dear and dear to your heart on the dear side of things. Milwaukee Bucks are on a little road trip, Grant Bills, and the uh, let's see, they started out with the back to back against the Cavaliers. They got a win, got a win. Now they got the Nuggets last night as Giannis scores thirty, Chris Middleton twenty nine. The Bucks, what do we, what do we, what's the vibe on the Bucks right now? Who are sitting second on the East Grant Bills? Are we, are we expecting big things from them? Are they still figuring themselves out? Or are we just waiting to see what happens in the playoffs? 
Well, they are figuring themselves out, and we are waiting to see what happens in the playoffs. But, Ebo, right now the vibes around this team are real, and they are fantastic. The Bucs have had an amazing week. Like, it, they, they had a rough weekend, what, uh, 10 days ago now, 12 days ago. They lost to the Pelicans, and they lost to the Hornets. Mm, back-to-back and balls. Monday, L- Lonzo yeah. and LaMelo. Yeah, and that's getting getting balled on back-to-back days. That's tough. Mm. But then on Monday night, they were at home against the Blazers. And I will remember this. DJ Augustine said in his post-game press, he's like, hey, this is a must-win for us. Like, we had a tough weekend. Like, we needed to get our stuff in a row. And they won that Portland game. Then they won the rest of the week. They beat the Cavs twice. And then they won in Denver last night, which they never do. And they were without Drew Holiday. So, yes, Evo, this team is figuring things out, absolutely. They're, they're no doubt experimenting and trying lineups, especially without Drew Holiday. But I feel really good about this team right now. They never win in Denver. And they made it look easy last night without really their best player. Chris Middleton is playing fantastic basketball. Like It's been a really great week for Bucks basketball. It's been a really terrible week to be a Packers fan, but it's been a great week to be a Bucks fan. That's made up for it a little bit. All right, Grant, um, I know it's been a terrible you know week to be a Packers fan, but is it just because they weren't in the Super Bowl? Like, What's ailing you? What's weighing oh. on your conscience? Well, yeah. Okay, well, here's, here's one thing that's weighing on my conscience, Evo. I, I get sick of hearing everybody. Like, I don't know if you had this experience. I talked to my sister who's a, a, not a sports fan at all. I talked to a coworker yesterday who's into music and movies, not a sports fan at all. And they both said the same thing. They're like, Grant, I, I know I, I don't watch sports, but just my two cents. Watching Patrick Mahomes yesterday, I felt bad. I, I felt bad for him. He had no time to throw. And against that defense, I just felt bad. And I guess that ticked me off a little bit because two weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns against that defense. And everybody wanted to tell me that he was the problem. And then Patrick Mahomes, can't, his offense can't even score a touchdown, and now we're going to have pity for him? Like, no. I, that's what's been weighing on me this week. Is I, it, Nobody appreciates Aaron Rodgers, man. Nobody appreciates Chris Middleton either, which I'm going to talk about tonight. But, like, we don't deserve Aaron Rodgers. He gets blamed for everything. That man played great against that defense. You saw how great that defense was in the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers went for 350 and three touchdowns against that defense. And y'all still wanted to blame him for that loss and say that he's not clutch. And I don't know, that just that just soured my week, Evo. Man, wow. You know what was kind of pissing me off about the Super Bowl is that uh, people were saying that Mahomes was outplaying Tom Brady in that game. I'm like, what game are you watching? Yeah, geez. Tom Brady didn't have to play great, but let's not act like Mahomes played better. Yeah, we're like, well, didn't you see him? He was like vertical in the air and sidearm threw it to a guy. Like, okay, yeah, that was pretty cool. they didn't that score. Pretty they cool. didn't score in double digits. What now, dude? Yeah, they didn't score a touchdown. That's tough. Grant, are yeah. you in your car right now? I know when you join us on Tuesdays, you're respectful to your roommates and you go, you know, scamper off to your car. Are you in a cold car right now? I'm in a I'm in a warm car. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's like I, negative nine degrees out there, Grant. Yeah, my car says minus seven, but I started the car a couple minutes before we talked, so it's right, nice good. and toasty in here. All right, Grant. Well, I figure it's going to be nice and toasty from four to six tonight. What do we got coming up on the uh, Wisco Sports Show? Well, talk a little Bucks because it's a great week to be a Bucks fan and talk a tiny little bit of Packers, too. That's probably what we're just doing. Just a tiny bit. Yeah, just we'll fit them in. We'll squeeze them in. All right, Grant. Well, thanks for uh, squeezing us <laughs> into your busy schedule, my man. Now go back to bed. Thank you for squeezing me, Evo. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> See you, buddy. There he is, Grant Bills, Wisco Sports Show tonight from 4 to 6, our sister station, WKTY and the Cross. Good stuff. I'm not sure what's happening with the music today, but just imagine that the Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing and you guys are totally rocking out. And it's uh, the song Suck My Kiss off of Mother's Milk, and we're having a great time. And headbanging along with us would be our sports director, Zach Heilprin. Zacharias, what is up, my brother? Kind of surprised it wasn't Californication. 
Okay, wow, Zach, dropping a little music knowledge on me there. 1999, yeah, 1999, song, I know. Californication, which also is the album, the, the title song, yes, Zach, Vacation came out. Yeah, remember listening to that on spring break. Yeah, uh, unless you got scar tissue on there, you got all around the world. That is a, a banger, my friend. There. That is a banger yeah. right there, Zach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so, Zach, earlier today we were lamenting a little bit. Well, yesterday it spent, you know, talking about the greatness of Tom Brady and how the winners keep winning and he gets a seventh ring. Uh, and I want to get your you know, take on uh, the Super Bowl and what it means for the Packers moving forward. But first, Zach, when we weren't talking about that, we were also trying to talk about the Wisconsin Badger basketball team because Saturday was a eye-opening one when it comes to the play of the Badgers as of late. You know, When were they ranked sixth in the nation? Was that early January? It was, and they've fallen in the poll six straight weeks. <sighs> So now they're, what, 21st in the nation? They are 21st in the nation somehow, some way. I mean, going one and one every week is going to get you to stay in the poll, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's been a gradual slide down for sure. They're 4-4 four and four in their last eight. All right, so, Zach, that game on Saturday was, um, wow, it was not pretty as a fan watching the game. As mm-hmm. I saw Coburn just dominating down low. You know, a big, big man, a true big man, and then the Sunmo just dominating, you know, just getting whatever he wants. But both of these guys are NBA talent, correct? Right. How can the Badgers compete with a true big man like Coburn and a guard like the Sunmo? I know you're not going to get them, you know, night in and night out when you're playing in the Big Ten, but once you get into March Madness, like, what are the expectations now moving forward? Because they're not going to be winning the Big Ten. What's the expectation moving forward for the Badgers? Well, I'd like to say that uh, the first, first and foremost, that if you're going to compete with them, you're going to need to hit your wide open shots. Yeah, which is what Wisconsin did not do on Saturday. I mean, how many open looks from three did they get? Michael Potter had a ton of open looks. I mean, it, there were looks everywhere, and they didn't knock them down. They have good enough shooters to knock them down. They just haven't been doing it. They've been over forty percent once in the last eight games. We can talk about all the defense you want and all that good stuff. But if you're not hitting from outside when you shoot as many three-pointers as they do and they don't really have, you know, outside of Potter, even though I wouldn't even call him a true – he's good down there, I guess, sometimes. But he's not a true post presence. He's more of a, you know, it, that's not really his game. You have to hit your shots. You have to. You can't, you can't continue to shoot like you are right now if you want to have any hope of not just winning games in the Big Ten but having any chance of going deep in the tournament. They have to figure out – they have to hit their shots. I didn't even know figure something out. It's make your shots. Right, and this was the big concern. I think all year was the big concern that this was going to happen at the wrong time. They got off to a hot start. Now they're cooling off like they did two years ago. So yeah, looking at this, Zach. I mean, moving forward, I know we always talk about that. I mean, the defense is the thing that you got to pride yourself on because any team can go cold, right? But the Badgers, yeah, my but God. you can't con- you can't continue to go cold for eight straight. No, games, yeah, you know what I mean, like yeah. you can't continuously or you know eight, seven of eight like that. That's going to get you knocked out of the tournament. As good as your defense, be the greatest defense in the country, even uh, Virginia, and you can still lose to UMBC if you can't hit your shots. So, Zach, I mean, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Like the defense, you got to clamp down on. But my God, they're in this funk right now of shooting, and something has got to happen. Uh, is it what? What was the stat you had to me? Was it Micah Potter had not had a three pointer in the last three games? Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah, he hasn't hit a three pointer in the last three games. Uh, at halftime of the game the other day, him and Demetri Trice were 0 for 17 from three over the last three. Demetri hit a couple of threes in the second half, so hopefully, you know, for Wisconsin's sake, that gets him going. 
But Micah Potter needs to hit his three because his three pointers. Because if he's not able to shoot, is he is he um, is it worth having him on the floor? You know what I mean? Like yeah. if he's not a great, he's not going to play great defense. So for him to be as uh, for him to be effective, for him to be uh, a guy that's going to play twenty plus minutes, he has to hit his shots from the outside. And I and I think he will. I think I still I don't want, I don't know if it's blind faith, but. I've, we've seen how good these guys are as shooters. We know they can hit the shots. At some point here in these last seven games, they have to figure it out. Yeah, they they definitely have to figure it out. Zach, who is – I mean, you've been covering this team, obviously, and uh, who is, like, the most premier, best premier shooter on that team right now? Right now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's tough Tyler to – Tyler, Tyler Wall? Wall? Like, that's – and that's a guy that we thought couldn't hit three pointers until he had those back to back in overtime. What was that against Indiana? Indiana, and I, I haven't looked at the stats of late, but he's still shooting it relatively well um, since then. I'm not positive on that. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. John Davis also hit four threes against Penn State, so he's he's feeling himself. But for them to, I mean, Brad Davison has to. Brad Davison's a good shooter. Mike Pot- I think Mike Potter's probably the eh, major Christ is the best three point shooter, and. You would He's think cold. he has been, but you would think this has been a little bit of a lull now for him that uh, there's still time. Okay, like that's, that's the thing. There, there is still time. What is today? February 10th? The 9th. Don't get too far ahead of yourself oh, now, soldier. Excuse me. The 9th. All right. Well, this time last year, this is the this is the time that that run that eight game run started. Okay. That's well, they, let me read the schedule out for you then. Obviously, got Nebraska. Is Nebraska tomorrow? I thought it was Thursday. Is it tomorrow? It is tomorrow. Do they move it or they something, or up. am I dumb? <laughs> don't don't answer that. Don't answer games. that. No, no. I, because the Bulls lost so many games, they're now trying to fit them in. And so Nebraska plays four games. They played last night. They played Wednesday night. They played Friday night, and they played Sunday. <laughs> hey, yeah. Congratulations. Good job. Good job, Nebraska. Yeah, good job. Well done. So they have Nebraska no fault of your own. tomorrow at 830. Jesus. So, Zach, I'll read the rest of the schedule off. Nebraska. Then you is Michigan. Michigan's back practicing as of Sunday, but is Michigan even going to be able to play? Do you know? I don't know. All right, so let's just say they do. So you have Nebraska, Michigan, who's third in the country right now. That's on Valentine's Day. Then you have number mm-hmm. fifteen Iowa coming to the Kohl Center on February eighteenth, a Thursday, and then the, are four, four of the last five. Yep, and then Wisconsin then goes to uh, to take on uh, Northwestern. That's on the twenty first mm-hmm. on Sunday. And then you have uh, welcoming in number six, Illinois, to the Kohl Center on the 27th. Then mm-hmm. Purdue, where Wisconsin always seems to play like crab, that's on March 2nd. And then you finish the season out uh, against the Hawkeyes you know, in Iowa. Are we really mm-hmm. thinking Wisconsin could capture Magic right now like they did last year to, uh, I don't know, show a little sign of life? It's a much tougher task, I think, this year than it was last. But right? that, that, that being said, there not being any home crowds at places like Purdue and like Iowa make it a little bit more palatable. But you also would love to have a crowd at, um, at uh, the Kohl Center for Michigan and for Illinois and for Iowa. You would love to have a crowd for all those games because I think it would certainly give them a boost, um, uh, um, you know, a boost of energy. Uh, and making them feel good about themselves if they were able to, to you know, start hitting some shots and get on the roll. Like, I think that – I guess you would rather have crowds right now than, than not because I think Wisconsin needs to pick me up, and they, I think the crowd would probably give it to them. But, yes, I do. Look, we have seen them hit shots. This is very similar, uh, as I said, very similar to two years ago where we saw them be such great shooters at the beginning of the year, then they went cold, then they were cold to start last year, and then they got hot. Like, they, 
are, are they streaky? Clearly, but they have the ability to, to get hot and uh, hit shots and, and play against some of the best teams in the country when they are. All right, cool. Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. Yeah, you got to help me out here. I'm feeling a little uh, nervousness, a little tension with the, the Badgers, especially as March Madness nears. Uh, I'm still hoping, you know, success for me is a sweet 16. We'll see what happens uh, as we still got to <clears throat> navigate the rest of this Big Ten schedule here. All right, Zach. Uh, Packers wise, looking to hear the official, the hire is official. As Matt LaFleur says, Joe Barry is the DC. Can you give me, um, again, talking off the ledge a little bit. I'm there for the Badgers. I'm there for the Packers too, because I can't help, but look, I know it was a while ago, but I can't help, but look at the 2008 year where the Detroit lions as Joe Barry is their DC go. Oh, and 16 can, can, can you put my mind at ease a little bit? Well, he's not running the same defense he was back then uh, because back then he was running Rod Marinelli's defense, and so it wasn't necessarily the, the type of scheme that he has, uh, the type of scheme that he would run or he's going to run now. I mean, he's, he's more of the, in the Vic Sangio, Brandon Staley mode. Um, but with the – so I, I was thinking about this on Saturday when the, the news came down that Jim Leonard was not going to take the defense coordinator job. And, and then when I saw where they were going with it, I, I thought initially, like, this was a much bigger win for Wisconsin than it was a loss for Green Bay by Jim Leonard's game. I'm not so sure about that anymore. Like I, I that one, that choice of Joel Berry when you have so many young, up-and-coming defensive coordinators that you could probably go and get, and you're going to go with a two-time retread. Right. I, that is uh, Zach. You're not helping me off the edge here. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I was. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Are you on the edge with me, Heilprin? I'm not on the edge. I'm just not a fan of the hire. Like I don't. Like that's the one thing that I don't understand. Like someone took a chance on Matt Lafleur, right? A young up and comer. Someone took a chance on him, and Lafleur. I know Jimmy Leonard like turned the job down, but I'm looking at, you know, this hire of Joe Barry. To your point, the retread, a guy who's been there, done that. That's. I know Lafleur and him spent time together with the Rams, but I'm still just I I raise an eyebrow over it. I I do too because uh, Sean McVay didn't promote him last year. You know what I mean? Like he did not. He did not uh, take him. uh, You know. They came and brought Brandon Staley in. And then Brandon Staley didn't make him his defense coordinator when he went with them to the Chargers. So, I don't know. It, it is a questionable choice. I think they were. I think that they were absolutely expecting Jim Leonard to say yes. Man. And uh, they may have been just a tad surprised that he said no. Um, why go through the process? Like, that's the whole thing. Why go through the process if you're just going to say no? And I don't think Jim knew he was going to say no, even though he was extremely happy at Wisconsin. I don't think he knew he was going to say no going in. So, um, you know, it may seem may have seemed like that after some well, of the things it, he said right? afterwards. So, real quick, Zach, before I let you go, I mean, is Paul Chris going to retire soon or something? Like, everyone, the pipe dream is that you have Jimmy Leonard be, you know, then promoted to the head football coach of Wisconsin, but I've never heard any news of Paul Chris giving up the reins anytime soon. Like, I could not stomach. How old was, yeah, how old was Barry Alvarez when he uh, stepped away from coaching? Old? 59. Was how old's Paul Christ? Fifty-five. Huh. Interesting. I'm not, and I, that's the thing. Like Barry was going to go on and do the athletic director thing. Paul Christ is not going to go on and do the athletic director thing. So I don't. I would not expect Paul Christ to retire in the next five years or anything like that. But that's just. I mean, age-wise, he's not that much younger than Barry was when he, when he uh, retired. All right, Zach. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. My pipe dream lives on. Then I could not <laughs> stomach though if Jimmy Leonard goes think, to a different NFL I'll team. I'll say this. I'll say this. Whether Jim Leonard is stays here until Paul Chris retires or whatever, whenever that job comes open, Jim Leonard will be the top choice. 
All right. Where he is. Okay, well, no matter where he is. We're going to end on that high note right there, Zach. All right. Jim Leonard, right. a top choice, no doubt. Zach, we appreciate your time. Follow along on Twitter yep. at Zach Halperin and at uh, MadCitySportsZone.com. Thank you, good sir. Thank you. All right, there he is, our sports director, Zach Halperin. Something that did not go well for the Brewers last year was their offense. The offense, yikes. But, Rowdy, let's go back before the 60-game season. Let's go back later on, earlier in the before time. Uh, the before time when you could go to baseball games, you could go to bars, you could go to concerts, you actually could uh, you know, uh, live your life without people being mad at you for not shaking in fear in your basement. But, Rowdy, in the before time, remember when baseballs were being hit out of the park at like – or home runs, I should say. A lot of them hit out of the park, but home runs were just added like a huge, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, clip. people were people were questioning uh, the baseballs yeah, and how juiced. they were being made, and and how Rowlings was sold to Major League Baseball. To Major League Baseball, and then all of a sudden, home runs were being hit. And I think it was guys like Justin Verlander and some other top known names yeah. that were questioning this. So remember when we were talking about that and saying, okay, well. Baseball digs the long ball. Chicks dig the long ball. Everyone digs the long ball, okay? Baseball loves the home runs. In fact, in the steroid era, that's what like brought baseball back was Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire crushing baseballs, and then you go on, we have uh, them hitting home runs at like an unconscious level two years ago before the 60-game regular season. And we were talking about the, <laughs> the conspiracy theory saying, I think Major League Baseball had something to do with it. Like you just said, buying Rawlings and then all of a sudden changing the formula in the baseball and then boom, everyone's hitting dingers left and right. Well, I think a couple people called us crazy for saying that Major League Baseball was messing with the baseballs. Well, check out this headline. Major League Baseball's planning changes to the baseball in effort to reduce the home run rate fluctuation per report. Major League Baseball is going to make small changes to the baseball in an effort to reduce the wild year-to-year fluctuations in home run rate. Last week, Major League Baseball issued a memo to front offices outlining the planned changes, which are indeed and intended, ready for this, to deaden the ball. And we were told we were crazy, Rowdy, for talking about this. Remember that? Yeah, so, crazy for well, that was that was one of what that was one of those conspiracy theories with Major League Baseball is yeah, that, that they juiced they, the ball. Yeah, when they bought Rowlings, all of a sudden they changed kind of the the inside of the baseball where they wound it tighter. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when it got hit, obviously it would have more what ela- uh, elastic yeah, uh, effect yeah, right to the baseball. In the memo, it says, "quote." In an effort to center the ball with the specification range for COR core and CCOR, Rawlings produced a number of baseballs from late 2019 through early 2020 that loosened the tension of the first wool winding. Yeah, because in a baseball, there's a little you know smaller rubber mm-hmm. ball, and then they wind... Like you just said, they wind that around it. Well, mm-hmm. the tighter it gets wound, the more the ball is going to bounce. So they say the memo from the office of the commissioner reads, explaining that this change had two effects when Rawlings, and this is the same time when Major League Baseball bought Rawlings. So they produced a number of baseballs late 2019 through early 2020 that loosened the tension of the first wool winding. The memo says, explains that this change had two effects. It reduced the weight of the ball by less than one-tenth of an ounce, and it also had a slight decrease in the bounciness of the ball 
as measured by the COR and CCOR. So Major League Baseball, who bought Rawlings, changed how they wound the string in there. And that's what the people and players were saying. And guess what? It started just flying off the bat. And we were told at times that we were crazy for even suggesting it. Hmm. So the COR, the core, is the coefficient, coefficient of restitution or the relationship of the incoming speed to the outgoing speed. So in other words, this new ball they're making is going to be, and I quote, less bouncy. So, Nelly, we're going to see home runs, guess what? Go down. Yep. Interesting. Let's go to the phones really quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Terry from the north side. Oh, Terry, I'm glad you called back in, brother. What's happening? Well, now you made me change my topic because I, this is a topic I'm very familiar with is softballs, baseballs, because I've ran my own uh, league many say, years. Did you say you're an expert in balls? I'm an expert in balls, absolutely. <laughs> evil, evil Nelson, let me back you up to 1980. Back me up, Terry. I'm going to softball for a minute. Dudley made a ball called the Red Dot. In 1980, a lot of people still use wood bats. And there were many people getting hurt, especially on, on the diamonds of the, you know, that were prepared with little stones and stuff, getting jaws break, getting knocked out. So Dundee went to the blue dot, Sounds which like opened it up a little That's bit. That's a man sport, Terry. That's blood sport out there. Well, and when, now when they come to aluminum bats, they really come out of a cannon. But, yeah, <laughs> they, they, it, there's a quality of ball. That you can buy for baseball or softball that's wound as tight as you can get it, and for ones that are given for kids, for Little League, for an example. Yeah. So there's no question that doesn't happen. I mean, and if Major League Baseball is going to go downgrade a ball, I don't think it's going to hurt home runs, Ebo. I think what's going to do is make the the, the giant home run stop. Yeah, well, the one tw- that leaves the stadium. Terry, in 2019, when they're saying that they messed with uh, how they made the ball, in 2019, it was a record of, of home runs hit. Well, you remember what Bud Selig had was cutting baseball bats in half because they thought they had lead in it? Hey, you're, uh, you're one of your Cubs, Sammy Sosa, had cork in his. Yeah, he's not my Cub. I mean, he, I, don't, I don't like any cheater. And, and Sosa cheated. So did uh, Ryan Braun. So did Barry Bonds. They were Wait. just smart enough. A lot Braun, not to get caught. Braun did? I thought the Cubs uh, tester, you know, like put steroids in his pee. They very well could have. I mean, I understand that delivery driver knows how to rig those tests. No? Yeah, he's a um, Cubs fan. Miller, of course he wanted to Miller, see Braun go down. Miller brought that up one time, how a guy could rig a piss test. I also wanted to see him demonstrate that. But uh, It's called um, the oil change, Terry. <laughs> I don't want to go through no. the, uh, the minutia of it all, but you essentially are putting in uh, that and never mind. It's, I'm still convinced. Nelson knows about Evo, it. Evo, I'm still convinced, though, it's the guys on roids. Who? I believe Brady, to an extent, is on roids. Tom Brady? I believe players are. Oh, yeah. I believe that um, anytime you can play past 40 years old or anytime you can hit, I'm going to pick. I'll, I won't keep picking on Ryan Braun. I'm going to pick on my third baseman in Chicago. Um, how he hit all those home runs, how he had you know, an MVP, World Series hero, all this. And all of a sudden, he died because the testing got better because he took less took less roids. I mean, A Rod was at least smart enough to shoot him in a gummy bear, you know. And all those Miami guys were all that smart except for one. Terry, open it up, let him roid out. What do I care? I want to be entertained. I want freak shows yeah, out there. Want, but I hate it, Ebo, when I see a guy like Hank Aaron, the greatest. To me, he's always the baseball home run king. Hell yeah! To lose his title to a cheater. Hey, you know, Terry, here's the thing, though. History, you'll always remember him fondly. History won't forget, though. 
Oh, no, but we go back 25 years, they played less games. They play more games today than they ever have, especially in college sports. Terry, it's so a matter of time, it's a matter of time before they have androids in here playing baseball, so enjoy the human factor for as long as you can, dude. I don't think there's any difference, Zeebo, and I'll let you go on this. If the fence is 350 and you hit it 351, or if you hit it 551, it's still a home run. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Thanks, Terry. You know, and I think that's what the new ball is going to do. Either. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, Terry. Take care, brother. See you. There he is, the king of the north. All right, so check this out, though. So uh, we'll get back to the phones here. So we got uh, our guy, Maytag Man, online. One second, Zach. In 2019, when Major League Baseball is now saying that they, they, they just tweaked the ball by loosening the tension of the first wool winding, and I, I just still can't get over the fact that we brought this up when we were told we were crazy, that we were like, this is a conspiracy theory. They're admitting it now. They're admitting it. In 2019, Rowdy, MLB team swatted a record 6,776 home runs. That happened only five years after the 30 clubs combined to hit 4,186 runs in 2014. And what that did with the baseball, it wasn't for the fact that all of a sudden guys kind of like the Sammy Sosa, the Maguire, and the Bonds era where they were hitting 60, 70 home runs every year. Yeah. It didn't do that. It just allowed a lot of guys that would hit 15, 20 to all of a sudden hit 30 or 40. Yeah, you had totally. A, you had a huge influx in guys that hit 20 to 40 home runs, not those handful of guys that hit 50, 60, 70. I mean, in 2019, in 2019, they hit 6,776 home runs total for all teams. Five years in 2014, they hit 4,186. So this is homers per team per game. In 2016, 1.16 home runs per team per game. In 2017, this was a record prior to 2019. In 2017, they hit 1.26 home runs per team per game. 1.26. In 2018, they hit 1.15. And then in 2019, when Major League Baseball buys Rawlings and changes the uh, how loose the winding is in the baseball, Homers per team per game in 2019 went to 1.39, a record. The previous record was 1.26 in 2017. And then in 2020, it went down to 1.28 homers per team per game. And now they're saying, yeah, we're going to deaden the ball. That's our bad. Ah. Let's go back to the phones. Hey, what's up, Washa? What up? What's up, homie? Dude, that guitar you're making is badass. Eddie Van Halen would be proud. Oh man, dude, that is, that is a labor of love for my eight-year-old man. How? What inspired you to make the the Eddie Van or the Van Halen axe, man? So, uh, my my eight-year-old Mason, he wanted a guitar for Christmas, and he also wanted me to help build something. Uh, so I'm like, well, let's kill two birds with one stone here, and let's yeah. build a guitar. Mama. And. Uh, he saw, he, we, we watched a video of, uh, um, what was it, uh, Jump, Ooh, and yeah. uh, he's like, I love that guitar. And I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll do something similar. So right. You're going to make Dad work when it comes to the painting side of this thing. What's that? So, Mason, you're going to make Dad work when it comes to the painting side yeah. of things. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. All right, Zach, um, what'd you call him besides uh, for me bringing up the all guitar? Right, so, so we actually called about about Major League Baseball and uh, and the baseball. I remember calling up two years ago, and 
Major League Baseball announced that they were actually changing. They, they announced that they were changing not how they were being wound, but who was doing the winding of the balls. You guys remember this? Yeah, Major League Baseball. They, Rawlings, Rawlings went from, right, Rawlings went from hand, hand wrapping the cores of the baseball to machine winding. Mm, so what happened was when, when you have the machine do it, not only can they do it tighter, they can do it on a more consistent basis because you can put in an algorithm to do it exactly to these specifications instead of just winding it by your hand. Yeah. So that's what, that's what it was. And I remember calling up two years ago going, this, this is what's going to happen. And it happened. And the Minnesota Twins had the most home runs in the history of a season of Major League Baseball. And still couldn't get the Bomba squad. And still couldn't do anything in the playoffs. Unbelievable. But dude. unfortunately couldn't do anything in the playoffs. Because when it comes to the playoffs, it's all about pitching, right? Yeah. Well, dude, it's check this out, It's all about Zach. pitching. And uh, Rowdy's grabbing the phone right now. So check this out, though, Zach. A little over a year ago, I'm reading this article. So they sent out a memo, right, saying that, okay, yep, we loosened the tension of the first wall winding. That's why, the, uh, that's why there's so many home runs. But a little over a year ago, Major League Baseball released a study saying that its baseballs were not, quote-unquote, juiced, and that the reason why there were so many uh, home runs was because it was an emphasis on launch angle. So they tried to tell us that we were crazy for suggesting that the winding in the baseball was wrong and said it was a launch angle, and now they are admitting that it actually was the, 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 the loosening of the wool uh, wound around the ball, inside the well, ball. I mean, it, what do they think, we're idiots? It's I think Rob Manfred thinks we're idiots. It's physics. Obviously, the baseball plus launch angle. I mean, it's it's no different than uh, you know, force times mass. You know, it's it's no different than any any of that. Yeah, stuff. brainiac e equals, equals acceleration. MC. I mean, e equals it, MC squared brainiac. Yeah. Right. Uh, no. I mean, it, but but that's what it is. It. This is how we've gotten to the to this point in Major League Baseball is. We're, we're doing these analytics to the point where, yes, launch angle, absolutely 100%. But come on. I mean, we, yeah. we all knew two years ago the baseball were, yeah. were being wound tighter because they were being wound by a machine and not by a human. Yeah, hey, Zach, you're cutting up a little bit. It's nice hearing from you, brother. All right, love you guys. Much love. See you, man. Rowdy. I'm right here. 2019, a little over a year ago, Major League Baseball releases a study saying its baseballs were not, in fact, juiced. And they were not. They did not intentionally alter to increase home runs. The baseball, and that the league's rising home run rate had to do with an emphasis on launch angle, and also a slight difference in the seams of the baseball. So now, and now they have a memo saying, "Well, actually, uh, we released the tension a little bit of the wool line." How do you feel about guys like Justin Verlander, and I think was it Garrett Cole? They're bitching about it. Yeah, that were that were complaining that this was going on, and obviously Major League Baseball denied it, and you know, kind of threw them out and said, you know, ignore them. Yeah, they is, don't know what they're talking about. And then what came out earlier this year, it was the whistleblower for the Los Angeles Angels oh, yeah, talking about how the, the guys like Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole were also now using their special, their uh, special rosin yeah. and pine tar yeah, that mixtures was... that were helping them affect the baseball. Yep, yep. Man, the more you dive into baseball, the more stinky it gets, doesn't it? So now you had the pitchers complaining that the balls were wound too tight and there were too many home runs, but now you have the batters talking about how these pitchers are using these things <laughs> to help combat the baseball and 
be able to one have better control over the baseball and be able to put different spins and more spin on the baseball. Too funny. So dude. I mean, you have two pitchers versus hitters. Obviously, Major League Baseball was kind of aiding the hitters. Oh here. yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean, they always have, haven't they? Yeah, they I love mean, it. Look at look at what Major League Baseball has done over the years. They lowered the pitching mound so the pitchers couldn't obviously have a little bit of an advantage there. Yep. They allowed players to do steroids and for the most part made millions off of it. Yeah. Yep. Put it shoved it under the rug until it was convenient for them to go after the guys. Now that they're were changing using. baseballs to say that and then doing studies saying that we didn't juice the baseballs. And now they're saying that they did juice the baseballs. And then you can even go farther and, and, and talk about how teams are now, you know, it's one thing Man, Major League Baseball sounds like it's run by the government. <laughs> It's it's one thing to tighten baseballs to ch- and change it a little bit, whether it's going to be hit, you know, for more home runs or not. It's another thing to do the pine tar and rosin so you can better put spin on a baseball or grip a baseball. But it's a whole whole other thing to allow some of these guys to steal the signs and bang on trash cans and do all the things that the Astros are doing <laughs> and not get disciplined. Rowdy, is Major League Baseball now just in a, another branch of government now? It sounds very shady. Something that we were talking about uh, last week, and I think it was two weeks ago when he started being linked up uh, for the trade, or not a trade, I'm sorry, he's a free agent, is the Brewers kept getting linked to this guy named Justin Turner. You may know him as, you know, winning the World Series, being a great third baseman for the L.A. Dodgers. And then it kind of cooled down, right? We're thinking like, okay, the Brewers went out and got Colton Wong. Looks like maybe they're going to stop spending, you know, big money because, listen, they said they were going to be cutting salary a little bit. And with no fans in the stands last year and, you know, losing out a lot of revenue, it be a little harder for the Brewers to, you know, throw around some cash. Well, I'm looking right here at, uh, you know, CBSSports.com. And it's a Major League Baseball tracker, a free agency tracker. And the headline is, if Justin Turner doesn't re-sign with the Dodgers, where could he land? And they, you know, they give a little piece here on Justin Turner and talk about his batting average, 307, you know, you know, four home runs, 23 RBIs, 26 runs in that shortened season, one stolen base, yada, 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 yada. And they say the best fit for Justin Turner is the L.A. Dodgers. They say it's such an obvious and perfect fit, and it's weird uh, that a reunion has not happened yet. And go on to say how the Dodgers, I suppose now that the Dodgers have signed Bauer and blown by the $210 million luxury tax threshold, they could pivot to Turner and bring him back into the fold. But once you're over the luxury tax threshold, you might as well just keep going, and you are the L.A. Dodgers who seem to have just bottomless pockets, something the Brewers don't have. So... (laughs) This is hilarious. So the Los Angeles Dodgers, if you want to talk about them spending money, the three highest paid pitchers on their team are being paid out $32 million, or sorry, $102 million a year. Obviously, that is Clayton Kershaw. Mm-hmm. They just signed Trevor Bauer. And if you remember correctly, they still do have David Price, who opted out last season yep. due to COVID. Well, if he comes back, those threes salary by themselves next season will be $102 million just for their three highest paid starting pitchers. $102 million. You know what the Brewers estimated payroll would have been if they would have had a non-COVID season last year in 2020? Tell me. $112 million for their whole team. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that it's the that haves was, and the have-nots. That nots. was the projected before. Obviously, they took the thirty-seven percent of the salary God. reduction 
But yes, $112 million for the Brewers team last year pre-COVID. 102 for the Dodgers' top three paid starting pitchers the, this season. The have and the have-nots. Pretty crazy. Well, with Justin Turner, they're saying the best fit for him is with the L.A. Dodgers. Okay. But the top alternative for Justin Turner, your Milwaukee Brewers. Say last week the Brewers signed Colton Wong, obviously, to that two-year deal. And they moved Keston here to first. Wong will obviously improve the defense for the Brewers and improve the offense as well. Uh, even though he's never been like a big-time offensive producer, but my God, the Brewers were terrible last year uh, offensively. It's just what Milwaukee has needed is you know a, a, a consistent stick. And they say that the projected third baseman, Luis, uh, Luis Urias, former top prospect, a career two two six hitter, uh, you know, I don't know how good he's doing. You know, he's a pretty down year, but so did everyone. But they're saying that the top alternative could be Justin Turner. Rowdy, do you even see it happening? Yeah, I think, Am I dreaming right I think now? Justin Turner, some of the numbers that they said he was looking for was like between 14 and $16 million a year. And, man, this team would be a lot better with Justin Turner than it would be without it, right? Yeah. Well, Obviously. Well, Urias is, what, 23 years old? Um, he's basically... They say what, he could be a 10th man. He, he Urias is basically what RCA was three years ago. He's mm-hmm. the three-year younger version. You hope that he can hit, and if he can hit, he's going to stick at the big leagues for a long time. If he can't, He's going to be exactly what uh, Arcia is, a guy that could be great in the field, but very inconsistent at the plate. So what they're uh, opining here is that uh, Urias, don't want, they don't want to bury him, so Milwaukee could turn him into a quote-unquote 10th man who sees regular action at three at three non-first base infield positions. Yeah, he's, he's a shortstop yeah. by trade, he also can play second, obviously third. So they say, keep in mind the Brewers' current situation. The NL Central is very winnable, no doubt about that. Yelly in his prime, need to bounce back from last season. Josh Hader has not yet priced himself out of town. And the might this might be their last good opportunity to win with this core. And yep. Justin Turner could improve that. Uh, but uh, let's see here. A, improve their 2021 outlook considerably. And B, not require a big money long-term deal. It's, it's a fit, and it fits well. And they say, according to Ken Rosenthal, the Brewers, quote, remain uh, remain there keeping tracks on Justin Turner even after the Wong signing. Quote, we'll take him if his price drops, but we don't expect to sign him kind of language, says Ken Rosenthal for the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, look at this is exactly why I was so upset that the Brewers weren't spending any money like two weeks ago prior to that Colton Wong signing. Because this is, if you look at all the financials and all the players that they have under contracts for years to come, this is the last year with this core of players that they could spend some money and have a chance to be competitive and see what happens later in the season. That's why it was so frustrating that, of course, last season had to be a COVID year where they really couldn't go in because they couldn't spend money. It was There was a lot of question marks revolving around the whole season. Now, same sort of thing this year, or at least a lot of big league teams are using that as an excuse not to spend money. But if the Brewers end up signing Colton Wong, Justin Turner, and another Brett Anderson-type pitcher like they did uh, last offseason, yeah. I'd be more than happy with what David Stearns did this offseason. Well, it's kind of that win-now thing, right? 
the Brewers only have so many windows uh, every every like I feel like every like ten eight years. Isn't this the isn't this the window? I mean, you got Brandon Woodruff on cheap. You got Keston Hira, or I'm sorry, Brandon Woodruff on cheap. Josh Hader on cheap. You got Devin Williams back there. You have some nice ar- Corbin Burns. You have some nice arms. The bullpen's great. You have Yelly in his prime, who's taken like a, a, a he's hometown he's only, discount. Yeah, he's currently only making fourteen million this year. His extension kicks in after the season. Keston Hira is on the cheap. You have Braun is off your books. Braun's off the books. You have, you know, what can you get from Lorenzo Cain coming back? Lorenzo Cain's salary is only going to increase after this season. He he continues to go up as that was the deal he signed with the Brewers. I mean, isn't this isn't this hypothetically this this the last kind of window before we all see maybe like oh yeah because if you look at next year, you know, say you don't do anything this season. Next season, you know, you're going to go to arbitration with Josh Hader again. You know, you're going to go to arbitration with. Woodruff again. Those guys, because you assume they play well, yeah. are only going to cost more money. Christian Yelich's deal kicks in for twelve million more. Lorenzo Cain is paid another million more next season, and he's only getting older. Mm-hmm. Everyone continues to go up. Even like the guys, like the Corbin Burns of the world, the Keston Heras, they get one year closer to their arbitration. It, this, this is, is the year. That, this is the year. You got to pay the cost to be the boss, right, Rowdy? This would be the year to go out and spend, or else you're really going to have to think about next season blowing it up. And the worst part is, it's hard to spend when you have no money coming in for the Brewers because that's what their bread and butter is: getting fans, you know, through the gates, partying in the parking lot, getting into American Family Field. <laughs>